Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. And this week, we're talking about Giuseppe Verdi's Falstaff, Eric, which debuted at uh, La Scala Milan in 1893. This was Verdi's final opera. His crown and glory. This is an absolute undisputed masterpiece. Verdi was 82 years old when this premiered. And we can only lament the fact that he passed away because he was about to work on a King Lear. Can you imagine what that would have been like? This is the Verdi of Otello and Falstaff at the very peak of his powers working with Arrigo Boito, his librettist, and it's one of the all-time great composer-librettist pairings. Uh, the two just turning out undisputed masterpieces. What is unusual about Falstaff within the context of, of all of Verdi's operas is it's one of only two comedies. Right. One at the very beginning and one right at the end. What was the one at the very beginning? Un giorno di regno, uh, King for a Day. And I think it was his second opera ever. That was written in the 1830s. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it was a long time ago. Right. Here we are with his final opera, Falstaff. Again, he's going back to Shakespeare. Whom he loved and revered. And he is hewing very closely to Shakespeare with, with this opera in particular. He's borrowing a little bit from the Falstaff of Henry IV, but uh, mostly this is based upon the Merry Wives of Windsor. Sir John Falstaff, he is up to his usual tricks. <laughs> yes. Yes, he is a legend in his own mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it has to be said that Falstaff physically <laughs> is a very large man. Uh, much is made of that fact throughout the opera, throughout the play as well. He's a man who has enormous appetites in whatever he sets his sights upon, be it food, wine, or women. <laughs> he, he likes to indulge, and he's been doing so for a very long time. He's not a young man anymore, so he has quite the girth. He also has no money. Right. Which, of course means that he cannot live in the, uh, the fashion to which he has become accustomed. Well, he, he, he's been getting along for quite some time that without, uh, you know, uh, living hand to mouth, but now he's, he's run out. And, uh, you know, he, he has his, his two uh, toadies, his cronies, Bardolph and Pistol, and we find them uh, in Act One at the Garter Inn, his favorite hangout. And he's decrying the fact that they've eaten him out of house and home, although probably he's done most of the eating himself. <laughs> <laughs> so Falstaff has an idea. <laughs> and he writes letters to two women that he's set his sights upon because he fancies himself the great seducer. Uh, these two women, of course, are Meg Page and Alice Ford, uh, Alice, as she's called in this opera. And he writes them letters and... Uh, he wants to set up an assignation. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Individually, not together. Right. <laughs> and he basically, and he, and he, he writes these letters and has them sent to these women to set up, as you say, this assignation. And Bardolph and Pistol are, uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> These two are not, uh, they are not towers of, of virtue themselves. However, this is all a little bit too much for them because these are, these are two married women. 
Very married women. (laughs) And they just really have a problem with that, and they refuse to take the letters. And so Falstaff calls for a page and sends the letters out and then just turns on the two of them with this great monologue that begins with the word honore, honor. And he calls them thieves, and then he and then he proceeds to expound upon, well, what is honor? You know, it's it's a it's an overrated virtue, can't feed you, can't do anything, and he ends by basically chasing them out of the room with a broom. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene takes place in the garden of the Ford residence, Alice Ford and her husband. Right, and here we meet the women. Uh, Alice, of course, her daughter Anne, here called Nanetta, uh, her friends Meg, and Mistress Quickly, who's sort of the, um, she's, she's a little older than the others, and she's sort of the, uh, the matron of the group. And they're all, you know, sort of uh, chattering away, and um, <laughs> Alice and Meg both discover that they each have a letter from Sir John Falstaff, which they find really hilarious. And they each produce the letter, and they each give one another the other's letter, and they start to read, and they realize it's the identical letter, word for word, (laughs) with only the name changed. (laughs) And, And it's, of course, the letter that Falstaff is trying to set up this assignation, and they're just absolutely... At once incensed, and, 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 and then at the same time, they find it hilarious that this, this buffoon thinks that he can seduce them. So, so the wives hatch a plot. Uh, and, and meanwhile, we're introduced to Alice's husband, Ford, and uh, this young man named Fenton, whom in the course of things, and, and everything is just happening very quickly in this in this scene you know there are people aside having asides here while another thing's going on here but one of the things that's going on is that we discover that this young man fenton is in love with nanetta Nanetta. Mm -hmm. yes exactly but her father does not approve of this so they have to be very very sly and and surreptitious yes about getting to see one another because uh as we will find out, Ford wants his daughter to marry this doctor, Caius, who is... An old man. An old... <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's not even going as far as one would like. He's, he's not a very attractive guy. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And Nanetta but Presumably is, he has an income. He does have an income, but Nanetta is just absolutely horrified at the prospect of having to marry this guy. And uh, she actually engages the help of her mother to try to to get her out of this. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. So Bardolph and Pistol, having been chased out of the Garter Inn by Falstaff, have gone straight to Ford to let him know what's going on. That Falstaff is, is, is basically trying to seduce his wife. And so at the same time that you have the women over here plotting against Falstaff, over here you've got Ford making his own plans to try to catch Falstaff in the act. And this gives rise to an ensemble. 
Every time I hear it, I'm just I just marvel at the fact that all of these people on stage and the conductor in the pit can keep this thing together because you've got completely different meters going on. The men are in one meter and the women are in another one and it all just overlaps perfectly. But it sounds like it shouldn't. It's just, it's amazing. It's an amazing piece of musical architecture on Verdi's part. And that's what closes the act. Yes. End of act one. Yes. Act two, we're back at the Garter Inn. And Falstaff is there. <laughs> and so is Mistress Quickly. Yes, she comes in. And this is just wonderfully great comedic theater. She comes in, and with this exaggerated reverenza, she says to him, your honor, and she curtsies, and she just really lays it on super thick, you know, and tells him, you are such a great seducer. And he says, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And she proceeds to accept the assignation on behalf of her friend Alice. And she arranges for Falstaff to come and visit Alice at her home, Dalle due alle tre, between two and three three. Mm o'clock. And then she leaves with lots of more curtsying and and reverences, and it's just all very, it's uh, it's wonderful when you've got a a mezzo-soprano or contralto who can really play up the comedy in this scene. And of course, at the beginning of the scene, Bardolf and Pistol come back. With all this, this, this mock penitence. Oh, yes. We are contrite. We are penitent. We're sorry for what we did to you before. Yeah, which is a complete lie. <laughs> because they're going to be part of the, uh, of the plot to give... Bring him down. Falstaff's <laughs> comeuppance. You got it. Mistress quickly leaves, and Falstaff is left alone. He's very pleased with himself. Oh, boy, is he ever. Alice e mia. <laughs> yeah. Alice, Alice is mine. Yeah. And then he gets another visitor. Yes, a master brook, <laughs> which is a play on words. It's, of course, it's Ford, Ford Brook. Uh, in this case, they call him Signor Fontana, which is fountain. Master Brook is there to engage Falstaff's assistance, and he has a purse of money. He tells Falstaff that he's been trying to seduce Alice. Yes. But he's had no success. And this is preposterous. Yeah. He wants Falstaff to go ahead and do it so that that would sort of smooth the way for him. Right. So Falstaff, of course, agrees. Because, he, <laughs> because he's the quintessential seducer. He is, he is the Don Juan of Elizabethan England. So Falstaff steps out of the room to go make himself ready 
and to pretty himself up. And Ford is left alone, and he is seething with rage. Because he has asked Falstaff about Alice's husband, and Falstaff has, <laughs> has not painted a very nice picture no, of him. No, Not realizing who he's talking to. Right. So Ford has this huge aria. It begins with the words, A sogno o realtà. Is this a dream or is it reality? He can't believe this is actually happening to him. This is actually taking place. So it's, he, he finishes the aria and Falstaff comes back in and he is dressed to the nines and he looks completely ridiculous. Because he's trying to pretty himself up yes. for the seduction. Yeah, uh, uh, the, the, old, the old lipstick on a pig, you know, <laughs> analogy <laughs> applies here. So they all they leave together and they and they have that you know that old slapstick thing where they try to go through the door together. No you, no you, no you, and they go together. And end of uh, that scene. Then we go back to Ford's house. Uh, Nanetta is talking to Alice, yeah, and is concerned, is lamenting the fact that her father wants to marry her to Doctor Caius. Wants to make her marry him. And the wives all gather around her and say, don't you worry, we'll take care of it somehow. We, you are not going to have to marry Caius.' So they're all basically making ready for Falstaff's arrival. And, and Alice gets her loot. Yes, she does. <laughs> and the plan, the plan, of course, is for, you know, Alice to, you know, let Falstaff in. And, and just as things are about to get uncomfortable, Meg is supposed to rush in and pretend that Ford is on his way. So they're all ready to, for the, to execute this plan. And there's Alice strumming her lute. And in comes Falstaff. And this, you know, becomes a wonderfully comedic, bufo seduction scene. <laughs> because, you know, Alice could barely contain herself. She's, she's so amused by this. Uh, and Falstaff is going on, and he he talks about how when he was a page to the Duke of Norfolk, he was this young, beautiful thing, and and uh, <laughs> that was a long time ago. That was a very long time ago. <laughs> so they're going along, and Mistress quickly comes back in, yes, saying, "Oh my God, Ford's on his way." Yes. And so, oh, they're rushing around and they're they're getting all panicky. And then Meg comes in and she says, Ford is coming. And Alicia goes, really? And she says, really? <laughs> He's really there. He's really on his way in. So they've got to do something fast. So the solution they come up with... <laughs> is there's this big laundry basket. <laughs> and eventually they manage to stuff him into the laundry basket with all the dirty laundry and close it on top of him. And Meg and Quickly sit on top of the basket <laughs> to keep it shut. <laughs> and <laughs> in comes Ford with this whole retinue, this, this whole group of men who are, you know, Practically, you know, with pitchforks and, and torches. Not literally, but you know what I mean. 
and uh, they're gonna they're gonna turn that place upside down because they they know he's there somewhere, and they're gonna find him. So they start tearing the place apart. Meanwhile, Fenton and Nanetta take the opportunity to slip over into a corner behind a screen. And, uh, you know, they start to make out. They got to make out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's going on behind the screen. And one of the men that's there with Ford hears them kissing. And they think it's Falstaff and Alice. So they all gather together in, the, in, the, in this room. And they're creeping up and creeping up, ready to catch Falstaff and Alice in the act. And they tear away the screen. And it's Fenton and Nanetta. <laughs> so Ford is furious But you know they, they begin the search again And they all leave the room And at this point The women come back And they, they get a couple of, of servants to come And lift the laundry basket And throw its contents Out the window into the Thames into it, the river. Into river the river Thames. Thames, exactly. And it, you know, of course, takes them quite a few heaves <laughs> to get Falstaff's bulk. But they throw him out the window into the laundry. All the men rush back into the room, and they all look out to see Falstaff <laughs> with all the dirty laundry in the Thames. They all have a good laugh. Ford realizes that his wife was sort of very much on top of things all along. And end of act. Act three, we're back at the Garter Inn. Yes. And Falstaff is uh, feeling very sorry for himself. Oh, boy, howdy. Uh, he's cold and wet, <laughs> having just been fished out of the Thames and abjectly miserable because he has been made quite the fool. How could somebody of his stature, his reputation, be treated with such contumely? Exactly. His self-pity party is interrupted by none other than Mistress Quickly, who comes in with a big curtsy and a big reverenza. And he goes, ah, oh, reverenza yourself. <laughs> He's having none of it. He's had it. But she, she is insistent that Alice is inconsolable and feels terrible about how things ended up. And she wants to, she wants to try again. When? That evening at midnight. Where? In the forest under Hearn's Oak. Sounds like a setup to me. <laughs> yeah, and of course it is. Hearn is, in English folklore, he's the, he's the uh, sort of the hunter god, and he's, he, he appears with stag's horns and... Uh, stag's antlers. So yeah, antlers, thank you. Horns. <laughs> <laughs> I know the difference. I really do. And this this spot at midnight is is supposed to be very haunted, you know, and it's supposed to be at, at midnight in particular. It's the witching hour, and that's when all the sprites and the elves and the pixies and they all come out, and it's not a place that uh, that people want to be. But Falstaff, <laughs> Falstaff is going to fall for the bait nonetheless. So what does he have to do? He has to come dressed as Hearn the Hunter, which is to say he has to wear antlers. <laughs> so she'll know him by the antlers in the dark. <laughs> so all of the, you know, everybody else, you know, Alice and Ford and Anetta and Fenton and 
Pistol, Pistol and Bardolph, they're all listening into this whole thing. And they're all making plans. Because they're really going to get Falstaff this time. <laughs> so the scene changes to the forest. Nearly midnight. And they're all hurriedly making preparations. And they're all going to be in costume as you know, fairies and sprites and pixies and all that. The sort of supernatural you know, beings. And, uh, well, Ford is as actually, Ford is planning that evening to, in a symbolic wedding ceremony, he's going to make his daughter marry Dr. Caius. And he's going to do it by, he's going to have them dressed in a certain way so that, uh, Caius is supposed to be, I think, dressed as a monk. And Nanetta is going to be the queen of the fairies and he's going to, he's going to marry them. And that's, but it's actually going to be a real marriage. So he's actually going to bind them in marriage. Well, Alice catches wind of this. So she makes some hurried preparations. <laughs> and she makes sure that dressed in the monk's costume is none other than Fenton. Fenton. <laughs> and they all disperse. And uh, you hear Fenton sing this beautiful, gorgeous aria. And they all disperse. Then Falstaff arrives. <laughs> and if his costume in Act Two was ridiculous, you ain't seen nothing yet till he's seen this guy step out on stage wearing antlers. <laughs> Just and he he hears the 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 clock in the town chime, uh, and he counts all the way till twelve and it's midnight, and here's the oak, and here he is, and he's ready. <laughs> So there he is, and in comes Alice, and no sooner is she there than all of a sudden there's this cry, oh, the witches, the witches, and Alice runs off and leaves Falstaff alone on stage, and in comes everyone else in costume, led by Nanetta. Queen of the fairies. Queen of the fairies. And she sings... One of the most beautiful soprano arias ever written, period, ever. full stop. <laughs> full stop. Sul fil d'un soffio e tesio. She concludes that, and Falstaff is cowering. He is trying to make himself as inconspicuous as he can. Because he's spooked. Because he's completely spooked, but he's this big, giant lump with antlers in the middle of the, of the ground. And, uh, and they catch sight of him, of course. They begin to poke him and prod him and, uh, you know, pretending to be pixies and sprites, and they're biting him and kicking him and nipping him and... And uh, and all this this sort of thing, and in the course of all this, Falstaff notices that one of the sprites 
has a particularly bulbous red nose. <laughs> <laughs> and is none other than Bald Bardolf, who who is known for his you know alcoholic red no bulbous nose, and he unmasks him, and suddenly the jig is up. Falstaff realizes he's been had again. <laughs> so at that point, uh, Ford decides let's have this little this little marriage ceremony, and they they bring in the monk and the queen of the fairies, and not only did they. They change costumes for, for Fenton, but they, they change costumes for Nanetta. <laughs> because when Dr. Caius lifts the veil on this woman that he supposedly just married, it's none other than Bardolph. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, Alice has brought in this other couple in, a, in different costumes and said, well, while you're at it, let's, let's, let's marry, marry them, have a well. double marriage. <laughs> and that's, of course, Nanetta and Fenton. So at that point, Falstaff's been had, Caius has been had, Ford has been had. <laughs> Everybody's been had. And there follows you know, nothing more than to just take it in good stride, suck it up, and just shrug it off. And, and they all live happily ever after. They do, but not before they sing <laughs> a huge fugue, beginning with the words "Tutto nel mondo è burla." All in the world is a folly. And it's it's a huge, elaborate fugue, and uh, it's a glorious, glorious way to end this opera. It's just one of those operas, Sinjin, that leaves you, you know, you walk out of the theater uh, about a foot off the ground. You feel like all in the world is fine and happy, and how could anyone, you know, fail but be uplifted by uh, such a, a, a brilliant comedic masterpiece as this? Buffa at its best. Indeed. Verdi's Falstaff. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 